Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Bright Kumalo. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Nick Crail from FNB Wealth and Investments and independent analyst at Jimmy Moyaha. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag stockwatch. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. I'll start with you, Nick. Um, can you give us sort of a local market wrap? No, I must say, I mean, who cares about markets at the moment? <laughs> you know, markets either go up or they go down. In our case, they pretty much only go down. Um, you know, the, the globe is on holiday in all of the northern hemisphere kind of areas. No one's particularly interested. Sentiment is quite negative. No data points coming out that sort of enthuse uh, investment at the moment. And so it's a, it's a bit of a sea of red, I suppose, overall. So basically, the people with money are on holiday and the people with no money and no PTO are staring at charts that are only showing red. Sounds like a very depressing picture when you start to think <laughs> of it, you know. Um, anything that caught your attention, uh, Jimmy, in terms of, you know, this market close, the local one and uh, uh, opening offshore? Just how red it is, really. I, I, I can't help but agree with Nick. Everything's down. In the, the inflation print from the U.S. yesterday is really taken um, its, its toll on sort of sentiment globally as well. We've got guys revising um, growth down again. It's, it's just <laughs> it, there aren't any good news uh, to share, unfortunately. And what makes it worse, I mean, one thing that did stand out is we're etching closer to 17 Rand 50 against the dollar, which is somewhere nobody thought we'd be um, at this stage. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but it's... It's where we are at the moment, so it's very little positivity at this stage. Look, when I see the RAND edging to 17.50 to the US dollar without us dialing, you know, the likes of Nenegate, I don't know, I'll take that <laughs> for what it's worth. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure ESCOM, ESCOM has a, a role to play there. Um, let's jump into our questions um, for today. We've got a question here on email which says, Good day, please ask the panel's view on this. Uh, on Sanlam at current levels. Sanlam has a historic, you know, stable dividend of, of around 6% in their household name, and they are set to benefit from rising interest rate environment. Nick, how true is this? Yeah, I think um, life insurance as a whole is still in a bit of a precarious, uh, you know, state. Uh, ultimately, if you revalue sort of your longer term assets based on much higher uh, yields uh, globally, it's going to negatively impact your sort of book value, um, ultimately. Uh, I, I then think, you know, within a weakening economic environment as well, um, and as we sort of discussed, a lot of that is at the moment negative sentiment, uh, but it kind of means that um, the markets could go down, interest rates and longer term yield goes up, um, and perhaps economic activity decreases somewhat. And all of those sort of things, I think, weigh quite heavily on sort of life assurers in general. Um, having said that, I mean, there are growth, longer term growth vectors, I think, for a company like Salam, uh, being very active in this sort of uh, space and ultimately probably, you know, the strongest, most stable type of life company we've got in SA. Yeah. Um, so certainly worth it in the portfolio and not not looking expensive at these sort of levels. Uh, but uh, the sort of at the moment, the sentiment and I suppose economic direction uh, is all 
negative uh, for life insurers in general. Yeah, I mean, we've heard this, the, you know, the interest rate story, especially around a company like um, Discovery, where they, you know, they've got a big offshore business where interest rates were at zero. And we were told that, you know, once interest rates start ticking up, we'll see that coming down to, you know, sort of their earnings, which is exactly not what has happened in Discovery's case, which is sad. Um, Jimmy, you look at San Lamero. Yeah, I think from from a technical perspective, I mean, um, I think we're sitting around 51 rand a share. You've got room to still come down to 44 rand a share or so. Um, I think it is going to take a lot for um, stocks, particularly in, in the space, to um, start to show a rally, given that the global consensus is that we're headed towards a recession and we're going to be looking towards um, sort of safe haven storages and, and staying away from... Uh, markets. It is a it is a good level to buy at if you intend on holding long term. We could, I mean, we we want to see back towards uh, 65 rand, 70 rand, possibly even 85 rand a share. But I don't see that happening in the short term. I don't see that happening in the medium term because even if we do then have um, a situation where uh, markets do start to rebound and start to recover, uh, your emerging markets are always going to be lagging behind your developed markets. So you're going to have to first see a, a strong and confirmed recovery on uh, your S&P, your Dow, your NASDAQ, uh, your major indices, and then look to your emerging market. I don't think the risk appetite at this stage is going to be flowing towards emerging markets if we then are considering factors around a recession. Yeah, interesting. I will we'll jump um to Twitter, uh, we've got a question here from Tabo Kaile, who says, please ask the panel on which is a better option option uh, between coronation fund managers and 91 PLC for a long-term view. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, on my side, I think both of them, are for, for a long-term view, both look actually quite attractive at these sort of levels. They've both come off quite significantly. I think over the last year, certainly 91 has outperformed coronation operationally. Uh, delivering on their sort of strategy and, and what sort of um, aspects they wanted to drive over the last 12 months. Um, so I'd say at current sort of levels, they're, they're performing better, uh, ultimately making them arguably, I suppose, uh, more of my favorite uh, rather than coronation currently. Um, having said that, I think asset managers in, managers in general, uh, if you do not believe that the recession is going to be long and sort of deep-seated, um, then they're offering a fair amount of value um, on the sort of medium-term kind of outlook at these sort of levels. So um, I, I would like both at the moment, but uh, if pressed, I would, I would prefer to go for 91. Okay, and any differing views there, Jimmy? Uh, no. Uh, for me, the, the, the main thing there is uh, what Nick mentioned around 91 having outperformed Coronation in the last couple of um, uh, quarters in terms of reporting. Um, I do think that Coronation... Uh, has sort of gone for a, a more consistent approach in terms of um, their, their returns and, and averaging out those returns over a number of years. But if I am to look for which is more of an attractive investment at this stage, it would be 91. So Okay, so you also like 91. Uh, we've got a good question here from um, on email from... Samuel says, what is the panel's opinion on Mr. Price? I'm now 15% down since the great results. Uh, what is the reason for the decline? Is it worth holding on to the share? Uh, Nick, Mr. Price, down 15%. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth holding on to the share. Arguably, it's worth buying a little bit more of the share. I think 
Um, you know, in sort of discretionary apparel, you've seen the entire sector come off quite significantly. And I think that's less to do with the operational type of results, more to do with sentiment and the thought that, uh, you know, there's a recession ahead. And where does discretionary and apparel sort of retail fit into that when consumers are under pressure from a disposable income kind of perspective? Um, operationally, and if we talk into the medium and the long term, um, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly bullish around the company and believe their opportunity set um, almost irrespective of the economic sort of side of things, um, should stand to outperform on a relative kind of basis. Balance sheet remains strong. Um, I like the acquisitions they've kind of gone into. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think they're sort of primed for growth in almost any environment. It's just the level of growth will be dependent on, on the sort of economic activity. Um, overall, again, to sort of highlight, I, I'm not of the opinion that you're going to see a deep-seated significant recession a la, okay. you know, the early 1930s sort of uh, or even back to 2008. I think there was um, a lot worse things that happened uh, at, at those sort of times than is what's currently happening here. Um, and, and, and hence, I think if we see a recession, and we probably will, at least in the U.S., um, I think it'll be a little bit shallower um, and not as deep. And in that sort of environment, I don't think some of the price action you've seen is necessarily warranted. Um, and certainly for me, Mr. Price would be a buy at these levels. Yeah, and if this is anything to go by, I mean, if you put the charts of Mr. Price and uh, Nike or Starbucks side to side in terms of consumer discretionary, I mean... Uh, this thing has a dividend yield of close to 5%. It's down only 17% year to date. And Nike is down 28%. Uh, Starbucks is down like 34%. You're still doing better here uh, on a risk-adjusted basis. Um, Jimmy, uh, you do you have any thoughts on Mr. Price? I've been a fan of Mr. Price since the Yuppie Chef acquisition. Um, now with the recent Studio 88 acquisition, it only strengthens um, the need to have Mr. Price as part of the portfolio. Um, I'm liking the price levels closer to sort of 160 around a share. We're at about 166 at the moment. Uh, we might sort of, I, I doubt we'll get down to 140. I don't think um, we'll, we'll have that much of a bearish move on it. I think you might consolidate at this range for quite some time. Um, but yes, Mr. Price, definitely a hold for me. Okay, Mr. Price is a hold for you as well. Uh, we've got a, a question from uh, Fatai Amao who says, Hi, can you please ask the panel's view on Cecil? Thank you. Um, Jimmy, Cecil? Anything um, changed Cecil. recently? <laughs> well, I mean, Cecil, for, for me, we're, we came off really, really uh, uh, so slow base sort of in, in COVID. Um, the share price is back above a very key level. I mean, we did spike above the, the 400 Rand level. I mean, we're back above 300 Rand. Sassel has been a good buy. They are riding out the, uh, or they have benefited from the commodities rally. I think I would wait for a bit of a better buy entry at this stage. It looks as though we might be able to get better buy opportunities on Sassel. Um, Long-term view on Sassel is going to be very uh, skeptical or hesitant at the moment, just purely on the basis of what's happening in the oil market um, with the instability that we're continuing to see or that we've seen from the Russia-Ukraine tensions. Um, where we're sitting now from an oil pricing perspective as well, uh, that for me gives me uh, a slight bit of concern around the fact that we've dipped below um, sort of $100 a barrel for the first time. So yeah. you could potentially get better um, entry points on Sassol to hold if you are looking for uh, sort of a long-term view on that. Yeah, and I mean the narrative, um, you know, around Europe and the, and the, and the Russia-Ukraine war, uh, Nick, is that 
uh, sort of these fossil fuels are, are going to be used and as a result uh, well why they try to find alternatives you know to russian gas for example and as a result uh, the likes of Cecil are going to benefit in the short to medium term uh, you know that at least that's the narrative and insights we're getting from local asset managers uh, do you have a differing view maybe no i think my view is is, is pretty similar i think unfortunately for these sort of stocks it's not only the price of the commodities and ultimately then I suppose the, the earnings that, uh, you know, is translated off that sort of revenue yes. base, yeah. but also what sort of rating one sort of gives to these, these sort of companies. And, and all commodity companies play in a similar type, type of idea. Generally, yeah. at sort of peak levels of revenue, you're going to have reduced uh, PE sort of multiples. Um, and so you, you don't get back to an average sort of level. It makes the stocks look cheap on a historic kind of basis. But we know that these uh, prices are, um, you know, very volatile uh, over the sort of yeah. the medium term. Um, in that, I think with regards to Sassel uh, and with oil in general, um, you know, the shorter term, I think, is still relatively the outlook is pretty good for the commodity itself. Uh, but the medium term to longer term remains, um, I would say, negative just in terms of the, you know, back to what was the drag for a lot of these companies being more your ESG kind of concerns. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes to a fall once the sort of crisis is uh, abated to a certain degree. So it's a yeah, medium term. Um, I, I think it still looks pretty good, um, short to medium term, but longer term, there's, there's, there's significant challenges that need to be faced. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, let's talk about some earnings that are coming from the US. I mean, uh, it's the second day of earnings yesterday. We saw PepsiCo coming out with some decent numbers, still struggling from, uh, you know, the, the, the supply chain slowed down, increasing their input costs. Um, the banks, sort of, you know, the bellwether of the US economy also coming out with their numbers, which are not looking all that healthy. Um, what did you make of those banking numbers just in general, um, Nick? Well, I think they were poor, um, quite simply. Um, at the end of the day, w would I say that it's um, something I didn't expect? No, I'd say it's pretty much in line with sort of expectations. Yeah. And there's a couple of things with banks in general. Um, you know, generally they will um, account for for things slightly differently depending on where the sentiment is, right? So we know that the same sentiment and, and concerns around the economy are strong in the U.S. at the moment, and ultimately you would expect then banking earnings to reflect some level of prudence. Uh, which ultimately is reflected in shorter term earnings pressure. Um, uh, however, is that sort of real earnings? Uh, I'm not sure it is. Ultimately, we saw even with our local banks, um, you know, go through COVID, a lot of provisions sort of set aside yes. for this um, economic meltdown. And ultimately, they get released unless this sort of negativity comes through. So seeing these actual negative numbers is not necessarily surprising, but the actual numbers themselves are, are, are pretty spectacularly uh, ordinary at the moment. Uh, but just reflective of sentiment to, the, to a large extent. Yeah, and I mean, if you zoom into JP Morgan's numbers, that provision was around 420 million US dollars. It's not the first one, it's not the last one, according to them, um, you know, for these type of provisions. But uh, w the, the conservative bit comes where, you know, the dividend, they didn't hike it. This is the second quarter of not hiking the dividend, so keeping a lot more cash. But what, you know, was eyebrow raising is the fact that they also stopped you know, the share buyback. So a lot of, uh, you know, real, you know, old school banker coming in in terms of being conservative and just being very, very careful with the cash flows that they're receiving from their businesses. I mean, um, Jamie, um, you looked at any of these earnings, um, which one caught your attention so far? 
yeah, it's going to be a long, so, long mean, three I'm, weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I think the I think the the JP Morgan one is um, quite the center or the, the focal point at this at this stage. I think it sets the tone yeah. for what we can expect to see. Um, whether it's from other U.S. banks or other banks around the world as well, um, the, the financial sector in the COVID period was sort of, uh, to a certain extent, at the start of COVID, was sort of shielded. Um, but now, with the uh, ever-changing uh, interest rate trajectories from various central banks, your and this is probably why J.P. Morgan is also sitting on um, a lot of cash. Is you're, you're now going to see that. Um, the banks are going to be looking to protect their uh, liquidity and asset reserves uh, at this stage until we sort of have a, a better bearing on um, how long this could take, how long this slump could take, how severe the recession, if it happens, might be. Um, I mean, Nick alluded to the fact that we are not expecting it to be as steep as uh, sort of the 2008 financial crisis and um, uh, the, the financial crisis of the 30s. And I, I'm inclined to agree there in that we are better prepared for this and we have been sort of having the conversation for a lot longer than we have. Um, and it's not necessarily a similar type of uh, recession or recessionary uh, pressures as we saw with the housing market collapse of 08. So I think from a banking perspective, we're going to see this as an ongoing trend as other banks continue to report their numbers as well. We're going to yeah. see a more conservative and cautious approach. Yeah. Um, and I think it's to wait and see what the central banks do from their perspective before we expect to see how the banks will react in forecasts for new quarters. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think I'm going to quote, uh, well, I'm going to repeat what my favorite financial analyst said uh, back in April. When are they going to tell us when is the, <laughs> the recession coming? This is Cardi B, obviously, for those who follow her on Twitter. And I mean, you, the, the joke here is that you never know, right, until it's because it's reported historically. So until it's actually happened already, then you're going to be like, oh, recession. I should be panicking in reverse. But anyways, life doesn't work like that. Uh, let's jump in back uh, to our stocks. Uh, we have one here from Anthony Barnard who says, uh, can your panel give a view on Sun International and City Lodge for the next two years, Sohosan as well, if possible. I don't know, we're gonna do like a, I'll take one, you take one, take one type of thing, you know? Because <laughs> it's too many of them. Nick, which one you wanna talk about? Sun International, let's go like that. Yeah, I think I'll talk about the sector in general, if you don't mind. Um, I don't which mind. Is, you know, one that was obviously beaten down significantly through the COVID lockdowns and all the rest. Ultimately, the big reopening kind of trade, but uh, yes. now sitting, sitting in a precarious kind of position where, again, uh, sentiment is negative. Economic activity might be, you know, coming down. As we discussed with the banks, I think uh, a lot of companies will be sort of pulling in their purse strings somewhat. And even though we're seeing in the U.S. Uh, still a pretty much strong rebound, I think, in services specifically related to sort of COVID lockdown, as soon as you've gone on your first couple of holidays, um, I think you look at the economy, you have a look at sentiment and you think, well, I need to tighten the belt somewhat and, and, and stop spending as much. And ultimately, therefore, the environment for these companies is, um, you know, one that's a bit tough. You take, um, you know, uh, City Lodge as an example. However, they have shored up their balance sheet. And, and this is probably true for a lot of companies through the last couple of years, is that companies have been prudent with generally uh, their cash allocation, have shored up their balance sheet, and ultimately can withstand significantly more economic repression uh, than historically they might well have been able to do. Let's go back, uh, you know, five years as an example. And so in that sort of environment, 
as much as earnings might come under pressure um, and the rest, I think these largely these companies are going to, you know, weather the storm quite successfully and ultimately come up, you know, solidly on the other side. Yeah. And then if you had to pick one between the three, which one would you go with today? Today, I'd probably go with Sun International. Okay, Sun International. Sorry to put you on, you know, on the spot like that. And Jimmy, um, Sun International, City Lodge, Soho Sun? Um, I've been holding all three since <laughs> the pandemic. Um, big fan of all three, actually. Uh, I think what I'm liking the most about guys like Sun International and Soho Sun is the return to normality from, particularly in Soho Sun's case, from a gaming perspective, um, on their uh, entertainment and casino side of things with uh, lockdown restrictions having been lifted, with uh, crowd restrictions having been lifted. They're able to get more people through their yeah, doors, um, which is going to increase their revenues. Uh, City Lodge is at four rand at the moment, still too good of a discount to pass up. Um, so Soho Sun Gaming, City Lodge, want to be holding both of those oh, so um, you, even more. Yeah, so you like the gaming side more than just the lodging side. Interesting. Uh, we've got a question here from Saad who says, Hi, any reasons uh, for the sell-off today down more than 8% and the share code is Sibanye. It's talking about Sibanye Stillwater. Nick Crow? Yeah, so I think this is just commodity prices. Um, you know, I don't think there was anything specifically out in Sibanye. I think if you have a look at all of them, iron ore, I think was, um, you know, under under some pressure. Um, it has been under pressure for a while. I mean, the the overall sort of um, resources or basic materials sector over the last sort of six weeks has been dire. Um, you know, guys have run for the hills. And that's really as a consequence of the threat of uh, recession. And in a recessionary type of environment, no one's going to be going out and spending, building, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so ultimately, there's an expectation that, um, you know, demand will soften significantly. Um, and then you've seen the sort of the beating for these 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 materials sort of company. I probably don't have a as negative a sentiment um, around commodity prices in the shorter term. Um, I think they're probably due for a bounce. I think they've done too much okay. in the short term. Um, and so, you know, I'd pretty much be optimistic largely across the basic materials um, sort of sector at the moment uh, of current sort of prices. Uh, but it is more of a shorter term trade opposed to a three to five year sort of story. OK, so the, if, if you are, if you like short term trades, maybe that's the one you can play. Uh, Jimmy, I think it's the moment of truth. Our stock picks. I see you smiling. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time in a very long time, I'm not going to give out a stock pick this week. And the reason for that is with uh, following yesterday's inflation print from the U.S. Um, and the expectation that the interest rates are going to be even more severe on that side, we're starting to see a roll-on effect of inflation starting to factor into the South African markets from a local perspective as well, um, in that we're seeing food prices going uh, higher to match sort of fuel prices and that sort of thing. And I think in the short to medium term, rather than take the unnecessary risk to make an additional 5-6%, uh, rather take a more cautious approach, uh, sit on cash at the moment, and we will give out a stock pick at a later date. Okay, fantastic. Can someone put up the graph for cash there for Jimmy? Um, <laughs> and you, Nick, what's your stock pick for the evening? Well, I think Jimmy's way too boring, way too conservative. <laughs> you play in equity markets, you've got to pick something. Um, having said that, um, I am going to pick something, and it is going to be off a very similar sort of tone that was set with Sabania. I'm going to pick Anglo-American PLC. Okay. Um, you know, stock is down sort of 35% in the last six weeks. Um, 
longer term, you know, even if I really go through the sort of a life cycle, I think it's probably come off a little bit too much. But shorter term, I still remain optimistic that you're going to see stimulus coming into the Chinese kind of economy post kind of lockdown. And in that sort of environment, I think you're going to see another sort of bounce in commodity prices. Um, and, you know, for a company like Anglo-American balance sheet strong, uh, assets are, I think, you know, solid and diversified. I think there's, uh, there's a, a significant sort of catch-up trade in the, the short to sort of medium term. Uh, thank you very much, Nick, for saving the show and keeping it as stock watch. I see Jimmy was going with cash watch. I think we should find a different slot for that. But thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, thanks to my guests, Nick Krell from FNB Wealth and Investments and independent analyst Jimmy Moyaha. Do join Zinati for the Friday edition of Stock Watch. That's tomorrow at 19.30. Have a good evening. <laughs>